Uh, so the two of the three slides uh, that I'm going to do is the uh, first one is 1 Timothy 5.8. Jacob, if you'll pull that up. <clears throat> it says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than the unbeliever. Go to the next one. Proverbs 22.6. <clears throat> Start children off the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. I'm going to pray us in. God, I just come to you today, Father, just, uh, I just humble myself, Father. I just lay myself at your feet. God, that the message that I'm about to give today, Father, I have no doubt that it is for somebody. It's not for everybody, but it's for somebody. So God, I just claim your presence in this room, Father. I've already felt you here this morning. God, I just thank you for your divine provision and divine protection. And God, I claim that over everybody here this morning that is watching online. God, we thank you for sending your son. And it's through him that we can have a relationship with you. And it's in his name I pray, amen and amen. Okay, so those two verses, that if I had to pick two, that's kind of like my call to arms, um, those would be it. Those would be my verses as a warrior father and as a warrior husband. Uh, on November 22nd, 2013, I became a stepfather. This is never talked about, ever. I don't know that I've ever heard a message on blended families. Um, there was a young lady that reached out, and I'm gonna mention her online. Her name is Heather Ray. Um, she asked about this very topic. Um, and Jay and I talk all the time about, you know, catalysts. I think God drops a little spark or a nugget in your heart that says, hey, you know, this is something you might need to think about. And Will Green and I have actually had a conversation about rest. So I thought, man, this would be easy. I'll just talk about rest and we'll get out of here. Um, as I started digging on this, this had become very difficult. Everything is interpretation. You can say, well, they're talking about it in this verse. They're talking about it in this verse. Um, so my question, I'm going to ask you all a question. How many in here today are either from or have formed a blended family? All right. So I'm going to open with some statistics. A nationwide pew PEW, so I'm assuming that's a church-based uh, research survey. Adults polled, 42% had at least one step relative. The current divorce rate is over 50% of first marriages, 60% of second marriages, and 75% of third marriages. Current estimates in the United States, 40% of married couples with children are blended. One third of all weddings, say all, all, all weddings in America today form a blended family. So I'm gonna open and at the end, I'm gonna close with this too. The marriage relationship that you have with your spouse is either gonna be the strongest link or the weakest link in your blended family. It's got to be the strongest. 
So I'm going to kind of break some of this down. Uh, first, I figured I'd kind of share, uh, share a little bit about, about my story. Um, <clears throat> my freshman year in college, and I use that word college very loosely, uh, but we'll just say that I was around 19, maybe even 18. Um, my parents sat me down in our living room and told me that they were getting a divorce after 26 years of marriage. Um, and I, at first, was devastated. Devastated. I mean, up until that point, I had no idea. They did it like they were supposed to. They handled their business behind closed walls. I had no clue. Uh, and up to that point, we were like the cleavers. Every day, didn't matter what I was doing or who I was with, at 6 o'clock, your butt better be home for dinner. Didn't matter who I brought. My senior year, I think they fed half the football team. <laughs> That's what I grew up with. Family was such an important dynamic in our home. So to have that <clears throat> kind of just all of a sudden taken, that was a very, very hard time. Um, kind of felt like even though they never made me choose, I felt like I was having to choose without choosing. Uh, so I had a room at my dad's and I had a room at my mom's and because of my mentality, I didn't stay at either place. <laughs> I was a rambler, man. I stayed on any couch and spare bedroom that I could find uh, between friends. Um, a lot of that, not to <clears throat> push blame, but I think a lot of that contributed to, y'all have heard me in the past about my testimony, kind of where that led me uh, down a bad road. Um, so flash forward a couple of years, uh, I get an opportunity to go to a professional uh, umpire school. So I get a job and I go into minor league baseball. So I think that at that the perfect time, I could kind of withdraw myself from the entire situation and uh, ended up retire, retiring, quit, released, whatever word, technical word you want to use. I didn't umpire professional baseball anymore. Um, and that is when I met my first wife. And this, I don't know if a lot of y'all know that my wife and I have both been married before in the past. Um, and so we, again, I went through, now this is where I, I want to kind of push this is, um, you've heard us say up here, time and time again, that God hates divorce. I believe that. I've always believed that since I started my walk. Um, but the marriage covenant that I had been entered in in the beginning was not God-centered. Now, I'm not saying that that gives me any type of release about what happened, um, but this is just truth. You know, we'd like to teach truth and speak truth, and there's nothing that I'm going to hide from you guys. Uh, my wife was no different. Uh, godless marriage, um, but she had a daughter. So when her and I got married, uh, I became a stepdad. And then December the 3rd of 2014, uh, we had our own child. And that's where kind of a lot of this story on how to become a God-centered, blended family begins. So <clears throat> there's one word that I can best describe a blended family, and it's just that, blended. Um, when you think of the obstacles, there's a new dynamic within a family unit. That's exactly what it can feel like. It can feel like you've literally been thrown into a blender. Sliced, chopped, stirred, pureed, whatever setting you want to put it on. Just the, di the differences 
of opinions, approaches, philosophies, and even parenting styles. Uh, when you combine all those together at one time, it can lead to confusion and chaos. Some days, uh, I wonder how we even got all the kids out the door with their shoes tied. Uh, it's very chaotic, very hectic. Uh, some days it's very difficult to hold all that together, and then rightfully so. I mean, after all, you and your spouse have been brought together by love, but only once after either one of you or both of you have experienced some sort of dramatic event in your life. So with death or divorce, there may even need to be some time for healing for you or other members of your family. So if this wasn't hard enough, in the midst of all this, uh, a new household needs to be established. You have to kind of set aside uh, old patterns need to be unlearned. New patterns need to be created. And this can be extremely difficult when there are children involved. And in our case, uh, that was the case. Uh, familiar with one parenting style, they now have to learn another. This learning curve grows more difficult if both biological parents remarry. Uh, so this change can be difficult for all involved, both the children and the parents. Uh, this can, the kids can experience confusion and even frustration at times. Um, you know, I was going to throw you under the bus all day today, did you? <laughs> that beeping sound is the bus. Yeah, this is, my, this, is my, this is my daughter on the front row, the one singing this morning. Um, and I say daughter, there are two... Um, a compliments that I have been given in my life. Um, and the second one that I hold truer than anything is when Mama Denise and Pops found out that Kinley was my stepdaughter. They had no idea. They had no idea because I'm just as hard on her and just as loving to her as I am to my eight-year-old. And that was just such a big compliment for me to, that they didn't know. So that means maybe on the outside in public, I might be doing it right. <laughs> At home, maybe a different story. Uh, but guys, we're going to talk about discipline and all those other things. Um, you know, I felt like that she needed that stability and that structure. Uh, <clears throat> her dad has since uh, remarried. Um, so she has you know, at any one time, four of us trying to, you know, they use the word co-parent. Um, I think as long as you are all on the same page, once you finally realize that those children become a priority, you have to put your personal preferences and your personal relationships aside. We all four come together and realize our best interest is what's best for her. It works. When you start bickering amongst the spouses and the exes and the in-laws, outlaws, ex-laws, whoever it may be, is when things get twisted. Um, stability and structure, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Uh, so I came up with four guidelines, maybe four principles uh, to keep in mind uh, as you're walking this out. Uh, so number one, create new methods and memories. So what do we normally try to do when something new happens? We try to import the memories that we had. So we try to import memories, we try to import methods into this new dynamic. 
This does not always work. <clears throat> we assume that everyone will love our old traditions uh, because we thought they were so wonderful. We have so many memories uh, attached to them, and we are actually end up being shocked when we find out that this, this new dynamic doesn't really care for them. So what you have to do is you have to create your own traditions. It's going to take time <clears throat> for these ideas to catch as you and your new family accept them as their own. Be patient. Hang in there. You're starting over. But with this, with this restart becomes the opportunity to create new patterns, new memories, new methods for this new life together within this family that God has assembled. So there's a couple of instances that I have. Um, my mother has bought me a dated Christmas ornament, a dated ball from the time I was born, baby's first Christmas, all the way up until last year. She probably already has next year's in the <laughs> somewhere. That was something that at Tiff, they didn't do. It was hard for her to grasp that. <clears throat> so what my mom did was she went back. Kinley was four when we got married. She went back and she got all the ones previous to that and then caught up with Kinley as she got older. And then now for our youngest, who is now eight, she started that tradition. That's something that I grew up with. I was familiar with. I knew every year. I mean, I, I would be upset if I did not get my dated ball. <laughs> like, that's just one of those things. Amen. But there were, amen. <laughs> so it wasn't that it was shocking that they didn't do it. It was just that question, well, why does she do that? Well, I don't know. It's just her, one of her weird little quirks that she did. <laughs> and guess what? She's going to do it for our kids now going forward. Um, and this one, amen, amen. And this one, this one, I'm going to be honest with y'all, this one kind of hurts. <laughs> we used to watch It's a Wonderful Life every year at Christmas. Every year. We don't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't like it. I, you know, I love it. I could watch it today. If it was on TV, I would, I would watch it. Um, but that's something. So what we've done is now we've created our own thing. Christmas Eve, instead of going to their house to watch It's a Wonderful Life, we bake Christmas cookies. So there's things. It's a bend but don't break type of situation you're going to have to go through. You basically have two families that are being submerged into one. So you've got to create your own memories. The memories that you, that you bring with you are just that. They are memories. Uh, so the second one that I want to talk about is it's going to take time. That's what we don't want. We live in an age and a society where everything's instantaneous. You know, if I want to know who the seventh president of the United States was, I can get that information like that. Uh, unfortunately, dealing with humans and relationships, they do take time. They take time to build. They take time to trust. So husbands and wives, what I mentioned earlier, you have to make each other the priority. That has to happen first and foremost. This is very difficult in a newly blended family because when two now have become one, especially with children involved, they become second. That can be difficult for kids to understand depending on what age they are. Uh, different parenting styles are going to clash. 
these changes are uncomfortable for everyone. What used to work may not work anymore. Uh, so it's going to take time. It's going to take time to build this new family system. So what do you do and how do you do it? Two things. You show respect and you show kindness. Learn from your partner. Husbands, listen to your wives. Wives, listen to your husbands. This is not geared on a man being a stepfather or a mother being a stepmother. This is just strictly about blended families because it does happen both ways. Um, learn from your partner. Create opportunities. Talk about ideas on making your marriage and family function better. It does take time. So when I talk about sitting down with your spouse, talking to them, hey, what works, what doesn't work, uh, <clears throat> this is going to be number two. So she would come home uh, from her dad's, and we knew this a culture shock. She had stability with us. She had structure. She had school. She had her friends. Um, so when she would come home, there was almost like this, and not animosity, but, hey, I just had a great weekend, didn't have any rules, didn't have any structure, and she would come home, and she was awful. <laughs> awful. And so for the first couple of times, we just let time take over. Hey, you know, she'll get back in the swing of things, she'll get back in a routine, and that each time that we did that, the time frame for her to do that got longer and longer and longer. So we talked about it. And we decided that before she could even drop her bag, she's fixing to get jerked back into reality real quick. It worked. It did. It worked. Scared straight. Uh, <laughs> it worked. You know, we just showed her, hey, this is, this is your structure. This is your stability. Kids thrive on that. And no matter what age, they need that structure. They need that stability. Uh, so going on to number three. <coughs> Excuse me. This one is kind of tricky, so I want you all to kind of think about this one. With children, let the biological parent lead for a season. Before y'all both go in together with, you know, your Indian circle in the wagons, let the biological parent lead for a season. So after divorce or death of a parent, a child's world literally gets flipped upside down. <clears throat> I picture it as they're on this roller coaster ride that they didn't ask to be on. <clears throat> They've been injected into a situation where they have no control. It's literally flipped <clears throat> upside down. These, drastics, these drastic amounts of change can be emotionally, intellectually, and even spiritually hard on them. They need some things to remain the same. And that one constant can be the voice of their biological parent, whether that's in moments of stress, teaching, redirection, or yes, even discipline. So let your spouse take the lead in parenting their biological children just for a season. <laughs> you may not always agree with their method or how they deliver it, but you can respect their choice. Obviously, one day, the hope is that all your children will learn and respect a love and the joint discipline of both parents, 
biological or not. Uh, we take that very seriously. There's no, <clears throat> there's no separation when it comes to discipline and teaching. We discipline Kinley the same as we discipline Carlin. Um, Carlin is our second child, so obviously we've made some mistakes with Kinley. Uh, be the first one to tell you that, she'll be the second one to tell you that, and she'll be the third one to tell you that. <laughs> No different, but so I'm sure just like with any spouse or any sibling, you see them do something you're like, man, I'd have got my rear end tore up if I had done that. Well, we might have handled it wrong, you know, so that stability again, even with discipline, teaching, all that has to be the same. So on to, ver on to the fourth one, uh, God can do extraordinary work in a blended family. So this is where we go. If y'all are curious, I could not find any scripture on this. It's all interpretation. You can say, well, that's what this means. That's what that means. Um, so other than those two verses up there, y'all don't need your Bibles today, but we are going to talk about Moses for a minute. Uh, speaking of blended families, this is even still left up to interpretation. So Moses was born into an Israelite family in slavery. Yet for his safety, when the Pharaoh of Egypt called for the mass genocide of all the Israelite boys, he was sent down the Nile River in a basket. Okay? So his parents, who trusted God, heard that the queen, Pharaoh's daughter, raised him in their royal home. Does that automatically make Moses a stepchild? Maybe interpretation you know some of them even say that uh because joseph wasn't jesus's real dad i mean we can just go pick a rabbit hole on this and y'all dive down at yourself uh and help me i asked will green that this morning i was like man find some scripture on this because i could not it was very difficult again everything was based off interpretation so after the pharaoh's daughter the queen finds him they raise him in their home for the first 40 years of his life, Moses grew up, he grew up wealthy, and lived in luxury as a stepchild to Pharaoh. Moses discovers his Israelite heritage, fled the comfort of his riches to discover another home. He later heads to Midian, uh, where he marries Zipporah, the daughter of Jethro, and establishes his intimate relationship with God. So after another 40 years go by, Moses leaves the desert, returns to Egypt as a prophet and a leader to free the Israelite nation from captivity. So what does he do? He leads them wandering around in the desert for 40 more years. He shepherds an entire nation of people in hopes of leading them into the promised land. So think about that for a minute. <coughs> Moses was a kid who grew up in a step family became a father himself, and is now the leader of God's people. The man who God used to lead his people from slavery and through who even delivered the law on Mount Sinai. I would say that that is a pretty spectacular story of redemption for a blended family. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and close this out. I told y'all we would get out of here early. If I get the prayer team and the worship team up here, um, what I want to close with is this. 
entering into a blended, a blended family is not easy. But keep in mind, while the process may be difficult, God does have something special for a blended family. And if you have one, you might be raising Moses, a leader of God's people right now in this moment. So take the time to invest in your marriage and in your family. So my prayer for y'all that are in a blended family is that with God, you can beat the odds of death and divorce and become a healthy family. But most importantly, you can do it and give God all the glory. Like I said earlier, the marriage relationship has to be the rock. It cannot be the weakest link for this to work. I look at my kids and <clears throat> I'm just I'm very fortunate and very blessed to have. I didn't have to do much with, with Kenley. I, mean, I could raise my voice and she would melt. I never laid a hand on her. <clears throat> never had to lay a hand on her. And because of the respect that I have for her mother and even her father, I don't know that I would ever cross that line. There's a line in the sand drawn somewhere. And the thing about our relationship is, is we've drawn those lines. Neither one of us know where they are. And I've been able to do that because, uh, like I told you all earlier, I'm from a splendid family. <clears throat> Luckily for me, I have a fantastic stepmom named Donna, and uh, my stepdad is the guy greeting everybody on Sunday mornings as an elder at this church. Uh, we call him Pop. He's always been Pop. He's always going to be Pop. As a matter of fact, her name is Lolly because Pop was going to be Pop whether or not anybody gave it to him or not. And guess who gave her that name? Her. Lolly and Pop. And I do have my mother-in-law, my father-in-law in the, in the room today. Um, since we're both from blended families, we kid everybody about my kids having eight grandparents. And the fact of the matter is, I'm not going to hurt anybody's feelings, but if you lined all eight of them up, my two kids would go to pop eight days a week and twice on Sunday. And neither one of them are blood related to him. So your extended families have a part to play in this as well. You grandparents, be that person. Be that person because your kids, your grandkids, they're going through things that it's hard. They need a family unit, a family dynamic to get them through that. Get your kids through it. Get your grandkids through it. Do it in love. Y'all get on the same page. Make God the center of it, and everything will work. Amen.